Welcome to the Godfather and Gordy podcast, a special edition. Urban Meyer stepping down after the Rose Bowl. Not a huge surprise, I guess, but still I, I, big news in college football for sure. I remember Urban stepping down at Florida and then changing his mind, then coming back for a little bit and then stepping down for good. We didn't know if he'd resurface in college football. He resurfaced at Ohio State. He's done an amazing job there winning a national championship, going to the playoff. Um, But this appears to be it. I mean, we can talk about it a little bit later as to whether he'll resurface once more. But his record, let me pull it up. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Where is it? 82-9 overall at Ohio State, 54-4 in conference, and and 65-15 at Florida, 36-12 in conference. This guy's a legend. Um, obviously, there's been some controversy, the latest being Zach Smith and some of his players getting in trouble at Florida. But what do you think he'll be remembered for the most? I think he'll be remembered for being an absolutely outstanding coach, a phen- maybe the best recruiter ever, and someone who worked himself into the ground. That's what I think he's going to be remembered as, a guy that could not control how much he worked and how hard he worked and got after it. and. I remember because I covered him at Florida. Um, when he stepped down, it was because you know he was having health issues, and after the SEC championship game, he had to go to the hospital with what he thought was a heart attack, but looked more like some sort of anxiety issues. And he had sat down with his family, and they said, you have to settle down, and you have to get away from the job, and you have to go to the lake house, and you have to sign this document that says... You can only work so long. Well, you know, we are who we are. So when you are when you take that job at Ohio State, you can't – it's not a 9-to-5 job. Um, you have to beat Michigan every year. You have to play for national championships every year. That's the expectation. And just glancing over his record at Ohio State – and Ohio State's been a very good program for very long, but 82-9, and nine, he's won more than 90% of his games there, which is just incredible. Over his entire career, he's won over 85% of his games. And that's it. That's a, that's two years at Bowling Green where he went 8-3 and three and 9-3. and three. Two years at Utah, which wasn't exactly stacked. I know he had Alex Smith. But 91% of his games, 10-2 and 12-0. And, 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 and that 12-0 season is when he complained that they didn't get into the national title consideration. At Florida, he, he went... 65 and 15 in the SEC, 81% of wins, and then never had worse than uh, an 11 win season at at Ohio State. It was an incredible run. I we can talk as this goes on if if he's done forever. He's 54 years old. Um, I I don't know what he would do from here on out. I mean he's he's got he's a, he's a young man. He's got a lot of room ahead of him on the runway, um, but he is someone who doesn't seem to be able to control himself when it comes to working and and working and not stopping himself. Yeah, here's some recruiting numbers, too, because he's the best recruiter I've ever seen. And people say, how could you say that when Nick Saban's won so many national titles, but national recruiting titles, but the geographical advantage that Nick Saban has had throughout his career at Alabama um, Urban Meyer obviously had a great geographical advantage at Florida, took advantage of that with some great classes. But at Ohio State, I mean, he was luring kids up from the south, from Georgia and Florida. 
consistently to Ohio State at Cold Weather State. Um, and he made recruiting in the Big Ten, and we'll get to that in a moment as well. I mean, he made it competitive. Yeah. But here are some numbers. His first class, which was a transitionary class, which isn't a full class, so I don't count it, finished number 15 in the country when he took over for Ron Zook. After that, he finished number two in 2006, number one in 2007, number three in 2008, number 11 in 2009 with only 17 commitments. So obviously we ranked the highest, uh, we ranked the top 20 commitments in each class. So uh, he was at a disadvantage there. Number two in 2010, that's before he left the game. Then he popped back up at Ohio State. His first class was number four in 2012. Then he finished number two in 2013. Number three in 2014, number nine in 2015, number three in 2016, number two in 2017, and number two in 2018. Those numbers are absolutely amazing. He's never finished a full class less ranked less than number 11 yeah. in the country. He finished in the top 10, 10 of 11 recruiting cycles while he was at Florida and Ohio State. Um and again, as I mentioned, he took the Big Ten to new levels, flipping commitments, coming in there, mixing things up, getting some whiny coaches complaining about, you know, his tactics and aggressive recruiting style. But everybody had to step up when Urban Meyer entered the Big Ten. And some of the guys that he got from the Southeast, some big name guys, Von Bell from Georgia was a five star. Joey Boza from Florida, who was a four star, should have been a five star, obviously. Raquan McMillan from Georgia, five-star. Johnny Dixon, four-star from Florida. Nick Boza, five-star from Florida. Benjamin Victor, four-star from Florida. Trevin Grimes, who's since transferred, five-star from Florida. Sean Wade, five-star from Florida. Nick Petit-Frere, five-star from Florida. Tyreek Johnson, five-star from Florida. I mean, the, the way he's recruited nationally is amazing. We saw what he did in California with Ronald Powell and some of those other guys when he was recruiting for the Gators. Um, and he also had success in Texas with J.T. Barrett and Dontre Wilson and Demetrius Knox, um, J.K. Dobbins, Jeffrey Okuda, on and on it goes. Um, he's just done an amazing job. All the first-rounders that he's produced, especially at Ohio State. And I, I just think we're losing a legend for sure, um, you know, I was one of those who was who felt that he probably should have got a longer suspension at the beginning of the season. I think the suspension and all the Zach Smith stuff took a lot out of him. Um, I think guys like Brent McMurphy just trying to essentially target him in everything he does uh, got tiring. Um, we saw him on the sidelines against Maryland. I think it was Clay Travis today who said that he was faking. Yes, I, I had seen that, that when, yeah, he had been faking and that uh, when things are going well, he doesn't have headaches. And when things are going bad, he, he fakes and has headaches. I don't think you can, I don't know how you can possibly say that. Like, who knows? Maybe it's true. Because I don't know. People can say whatever they like on the internet, I guess. <laughs> it's just so amazing that you can say that he was faking. I know. I mean, that's just so irresponsible. So, But even at Florida, know. Mike, his recruiting was so phenomenal. I mean, just to, you know, in the early years, before he had even proven himself there, to go to Virginia and get Percy Harvin, the way he got Tim Tebow, um, even though he was a local kid, that was still a tough recruitment. To go to California and get the Juco wide receiver Carl Moore, who didn't really pan out, but they weren't even involved with him until really late in his recruitment. 
Carl Johnson in North Carolina, Carlos Dunlap in South Carolina. Those are not easy places to pull kids away from. Joe Hayden in Maryland. He did, I mean, we can go down the list of years. And then he produced them and, and never really had a disappointing season. His last year in Florida, as that tailed off, that became bad. Um, but, you know, the, the second to last year at Florida, he was 13-1 and won the Sugar Bowl. The, the year before that, he was 13-1 and won the national championship. I mean, it was just an incredible run. And he never, he went to Ohio State after coming back from his health scare at Florida. And in his first year, went 12 and 0. Then went 12 and 2. Then won the national championship. I mean, it's just an incredible run. And we are, we are definitely losing uh, a legend in college football who made recruiting really fun. And there are definitely a lot of fun stories about how we recruited. Yeah, the best recruiting job I've ever seen was in 2010 when he was leaving. Uh, he announced his retirement. I think. Christmas Eve or something. I remember writing right around the holidays about Urban Meyer retiring. And then it came back and the whole leave of absence thing. <laughs> but there was so much negative recruiting going on at that time, trying to get kids away from, Flor from Florida, uh, trying to uh, flip kids and, and, and get uncommitted kids to choose anybody but Florida. The guy retires, <laughs> comes back, and finishes his class with guys like Ronald Powell, who was the number one player in the country. Yeah. Matt Elam, who's a five-star kid who would, I think, flip to Florida State or flip back to Florida. Sharif Floyd, who everybody in the world wanted. Dominique Easley from New York. I mean, the national recruiting was amazing, but the fact that he could he could quit and still sign those guys essentially as a as a de facto lame duck coach, I mean, he was he was a leave of absence guy. Um, just speaks to how amazing it is. There are a ton of Urban Meyer stories, of course, when it comes to recruiting. You know, I I, I think it was Sharif Floyd. He saw him playing for him in a dream. No, Matt Matt Elam Matt Elam was all destined not to go to Florida, and then he said that Urban told him he saw him playing for him in a dream, and instead of being like that is a very strange dream to have, he was like. I want to play for that man. It's a, it's a really amazing. I think he might have used the dream thing on Floyd. Too, <laughs> I'm sure he had a lot of dreams. Yeah, a lot of dreams. But um, yeah, it's it's covering recruiting is not going to be nearly as fun now. No. I mean, and we'll we'll segue into Ryan Day, who is a very good recruiter, who is a guy I know extremely well from his days at Boston College, um, who I think is going to be a very good coach there, and I think they're in good hands, but. You're going to drop off from Urban Meyer. I mean, that's just the way it is. You could see it a little bit this year in the recruiting. I mean, I think they're number 19 in the country right now in right. recruiting or something like that. Yeah. And that's because of all the questions about his health and whether how long he would stay and all the negative recruiting that's going on. Um, I'm sure they probably would have closed with a flurry finish in the top 10 because he does not finish beyond the top 10. Um, but, you know, the first rounders – too. I mean, it's unbelievable. Ryan Shazier, Bradley Roby, Joey Boza, Ezekiel Elliott, Eli Apple, Taylor Decker, Deron Lee, Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, Gary Conley. He wasn't at Ohio State that long. And and he'll get know? Nick Boza this year, yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy what he's done. Um, and then, of course, as I, as I mentioned, flipping Kyle Dodson from... Uh, Wisconsin and flipping Taylor Decker from Notre Dame ticked off everybody in the Midwest. And they started complaining about gentlemen's 
agreements and and uh, sticking to your word and all that other stuff. It made guys like James Franklin, you know, come into the league. Right. It, it, it got a guy like James Franklin hired because he's a relentless recruiter, and it stepped up his game. Jim Harbaugh had to step up his recruiting game. Um, all the other coaches, you know, in the Big Ten had to step it up because if you didn't, Urban was going to get your guys. Um, so I think, you know, when we talk about all-time recruiters, you know, I said I got them number one. I'm working on a list right now. This is not easy. I thought this list would be easy. So here's what I got so far. Okay. Got Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll. Top three. Uh, there's four heads on Mount Rushmore, right? For, uh, there are, uh, yeah, yes. Four, I think. Four, I think, yes. So Mac Brown would be my fourth on the, the Mount Rushmore of college football recruit. This is in the Rivals era, of course. Yeah, what Mac Brown did, which was so amazing at Texas, is that he had one junior day. He got almost his entire class settled on that junior day. Now, was that Mac Brown, or was that kids in Texas just used to want to go play at Texas, no questions asked? Well, that's why he's number four. See, Urban Meyer is number one because of the national recruiting, the way, the way he recruited California and, and, and other states like Maryland and New York and Pennsylvania while he was at Florida and then at Ohio State recruiting all those kids in the southeast and recruiting all the kids in Texas. Yeah, I um, think Urban should definitely be number one on that list. What he did he is won. amazing. You know, Saban winning every recruiting title is impressive, and he's like 1A. Right. Or 1B, I'm sorry. You know, so it's real tough to, to discern between those. Pete Carroll did some amazing work at USC in the mid-2000s and put up some incredible classes. So he's in the discussion. Mac Brown, the, the one, and Pete Carroll was a national recruiter as well. I mean, he recruited all over the place. Um, Mac Brown didn't have to recruit out of state. He just took in-state kids and pretty much picked it and, uh, you know, chose who he wanted, uh, but still put up top 10 recruiting classes year in, year out. Then I got Bowden, Dabo Swinney, which people will freak out about, but I think he's done just an unbelievable job at Clemson. Oh, absolutely. He should be considered. I got, I got Bob Stoops, Les Miles, Mark Rick, which people will freak out about, but he did a great job recruiting. His, te- his classes were always in the top 10. I know they have a great in-state recruiting advantage, but Mark Rick did a good job recruiting. His coaching is the other problem. Yeah. And then number 10 is tough. I, I got Jimbo Fisher, but I'll tell I'm you, still looking into it. I'll tell you a name that should be considered, and people might freak out about this, but Mark D'Antonio, the job that he did at, has, has done at Michigan State, landing number one players in that state, he has dominated the state of Michigan for number one guys. Um and, and then probably has developed them pretty well. I don't think Michigan State is very competitive without the job he's done recruiting. And when you look at Mark D'Antonio and you listen to him, you don't think big-time recruiter there. Um, but he's done a phenomenal job over the last decade or so of, of, of completely dominating that state for number one players. It's been amazing. Yeah, but his, his classes haven't finished high enough, I don't think, to really put him in the top ten. So... Um, there's a lot of other guys I consider. James Franklin, the job he did at Vanderbilt was amazing. Yeah. Um, but people don't appreciate stuff like that. They'll be like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, it, it's always interesting to rank, um, you know, recruiters because you could eliminate all the big program recruiters if you want to and go with like Gary Patterson at TCU. Right. And what he's done, you know, with obviously not selling a power program there, not having the facilities of these others. 
blah, blah, blah. But um, Urban Meyer is still number one to me. Uh, and that's not because he's resigning. He's been number one on my list forever. I mean, every time I've done a list of all-time recruiters, I've said it many times that he's the best head coach recruiter, best in living rooms, best closer, yeah. knows all the angles, um, definitely a salesman-y type, uh, but not sugary sweet, you know, not um, – I don't want to compare him to anybody. There's a couple sugary sweet coaches out there. I yeah, mentioned yeah. that are very salesmany, but um, you know, just but but definitely not a Nick Saban approach. You want to play here and win a national championship and be a first rounder, come to Alabama. That's the pitch. You know, Urban always took different angles at, at different guys and always knew who the decision maker was. Was very involved with recruiting from day one. Uh, always on top of his game there, so one of the, they'll be missed in that respect. One of the best stories I have of Urban Meyer recruiting happened this recruiting cycle, and I'm not going to tell the kid because he told this story off the record, and I won't name the coach, but he, but Urban Meyer basically went to a committed kid and told him, and and the kid said, I don't want to, I I can't go to Ohio State. I love Ohio State, but I can't go to Ohio State because I'm really close with this assistant coach, and that's why I'm going to this school. And Urban Meyer just flat out told the kid, he goes, you don't think if I offered that guy a coaching job, he would come, <laughs> he would leave his school right now and come with me? And the kid was like, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty compelling stuff. He didn't flip, but uh, for Urban just has a way of, um, without it sounding like a salesman, without sounding, you know, cheap, uh, just really convincing kids that playing for him is is the right thing to do yeah and i mean the mike weber controversy where he stole him from gas tech who used to be a michigan commitment and jim harbaugh was trying to yeah get him back in the fold and you know the running back coach turns uh, takes an nfl job the day after signing day and he has to put out the fire with gas tech and and weber who felt hurt and betrayed and all this other stuff weber's as happy as possibly could be at, at ohio state and he's splitting time i mean he, he knows how to keep kids happy, um, and he didn't take everybody. You know, I remember one story, and I won't mention the kid's name because it's a character issue, but he was in an in-home visit. This kid was highly recruited. I mean, everybody in the country wanted this kid. Ohio State had the edge, had the lead. Uh, they were about to close on him. He went into the in-home visit, and uh, the father, who was a problem, which we've dealt with fathers that are problems, oh, yeah. of course. Father was a problem. And was just a real ass, just a complete ass, you know, uh, disrespectful, on the phone, uh, you know, taking texts from other coaches while Meyer was in there. Mm-hmm. Meyer left that in-home visit. They dropped the kid immediately. Uh, kid ended up elsewhere. Didn't pan out. But, um, you know, it wasn't always about just every star ranking and every kid who's a five-star we're going to take. No, he had a feel um, for it, yeah. Now, th- uh, on the flip side, you have to talk about Aaron Hernandez and some of the trouble, all the arrests at Florida. So I'm not saying Urban was a saint. No. And let's not say that he was. He was a player's coach. He let kids get away with a lot of stuff. I think that changed more at Ohio State. Obviously, except his coaches got away with a lot of stuff, obviously, um, with Zach Smith. But, um, you know, a lot of people saying today that he'll be remembered more for this, 
for the arrests and the scandals and, and all the, and the suspension for the Zach Smith situation and all that other stuff. Absolutely not true. He's going to be remembered as a three-time national champion. He's going to be re- remembered for that win-loss record. And he's going to be remembered for being the, the best head coach recruiter in history. Now, will he come back? That's interesting. A lot of people think that he's going to resurface, whether it's at USC or down the road at Notre Dame because he is young. Obviously, Notre Dame is happy with their coach and doing very well. USC not so happy with their coach. If the USC job comes open next year and they go after Urban Meyer, do you think he takes it? I would never count him out. Um, I do not see Urban Meyer as someone who can sit on the sidelines for very long. Um, He'll say all the right things here, and he'll say he wants to spend time with his family, but um, we have families. How how long can you spend with them? <laughs> so, <laughs> nice, nice. I hope your wife's not. I know, no, she's not. That's why I said that. Uh, but it's just a situation where he's fifty four years old. Uh, he's going to have uh, a lot of years ahead of him. Uh, he wants to be involved with football. Um, I do not know how serious his health issues are. I don't think anyone does. Um, you know, it during his the latter part of his Florida years, he had all kinds of health problems. Um, and now at the latter part of his Ohio State years, he has a brain cyst that causes severe headaches. I don't think that goes away. Um, but I also don't think his passion for the game goes away. So I, I, I can't see him leaving a school twice for health-related reasons. And someone will certainly hire him. But will anybody be thrilled... Or will they be constantly in fear that another health problem is going to emerge? So I, I, at this point, I say he probably does not take the USC job in two years if it opens. There's always been rumors that Brian Kelly is interested in the NFL. What does Notre Dame has always been the dream job. But um, I don't want to say phony here, but how, how would Urban Meyer come off if he left two schools because of health-related issues? And then resurfaces somewhere else with the idea that health-related issues wouldn't resurface again. Yeah, it, it would be a tough sell, but he's he can sell ice cubes to Eskimos, mm-hmm. man. So imagine him recruiting at USC. Yeah, I mean, there wouldn't be a California kid left. No, I don't think. But he would recruit like Pete Carroll. He wouldn't take them all. He'd recruit nationally. He'd go across the country, go into Florida, do everything. At Notre Dame, he would be an amazing recruiter as well. So, you know, I, I think it's this is a sad day, honestly, for college football. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are going to say that's crazy because, you know, they don't like Urban Meyer and they think he's, you know, everything that's wrong with college football. But this is, this is a crappy day. Now, speaking of day, let's talk about Ryan Day. I know him very well. He's a Chip Kelly uh, disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a tremendous job as the offensive coordinator this past year. Remember, last year I believe he was co-offensive coordinator. This year it was all him. Right. The job he's done with Dwayne Haskins in the passing game at Ohio State has been amazing. He coached three games. They had no problems in those three games. Right. Um, he's ready to be a head coach. The guy can recruit. Um, you know, I, I know he's been partially responsible for some of the top classes of the last couple of years for Ohio State. Uh, but recruiting at a school like Boston College uh, is not easy. And Ryan Day did a great job, especially in Florida, um, which is where he's got a lot of 
connections and ties to. So I, I don't think they're going to take too big a step back here in the recruiting. It's a brand name. It's easy to sell. They're going to get four and five stars. Will they finish number two and number two and number three? Uh, probably not. Um, but they'll finish in the top ten because they're Ohio State. Uh, the big question is, you know, coaching. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to have success there. Um, but he's untested, so it's really hard to say whether or not he'll be successful. But they had a plan in place. There's no national search. This is the guy they like. This is the guy that a lot of, a lot of other programs would love to have as their head coach. Um, and I think the program's in good hands. Yeah, I think so too, especially if the if the assistants stay. Um, if he doesn't make a lot of drastic changes, and I don't see any reason why he would. It'll be interesting to see if Greg Schiano remains as defensive coordinator. Um, I thought the defense probably took a step, a major step back this year. Um, but you know, as head coach, he's much more of a an overseer uh, a lot of times, and he has to deal with a lot of uh, office issues than, you know, coordinators have to deal with. So as an offensive coordinator, he was very good. When he stepped in during Urban Meyer's suspension, he was very, very good. Um, I think I think Dwayne Haskins' development from, from high school to now is completely because of Ryan Day. I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, recruiting should not take much of a, of a back step. I think teams will try to get in on all these players. Um, but I don't think it's going to have a lot of success. Um, and Urban said, "Report." there's a report out that Urban has told people that Ryan Day is better than Dan Mullen or Tom Herman, which um, is an incredible compliment. Um, but, you know, it, the, the proof will be in the pudding. He's got to beat Michigan. He's got to beat Michigan State. He's got to beat Penn State. And he's got to continue to keep Ohio State on the path toward a national championship every year. That's that's tough sledding, um, but Ryan Day is a very, very talented coach. So I think that wraps it up. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point. We're all going to obviously miss covering Urban Meyer. Hopefully he'll be back in college football soon. Um, we're excited to cover Ryan Day and see what he does at Ohio State. And, you know, stay tuned to Rivals.com. I think we've got, what, 85 articles on the budget? Yeah, about 85 like articles about it. Yeah, something like that. And we'll be talking to recruits that are committed or looking at Ohio State as we head into the early signing period. Most of them right now saying that they're committed. And, and one of the big reasons is Ryan Day. Um, a, a couple of kids have already said, you know, that Coach Day is the man and uh, they think everything's going to be fine. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any turnover in this class but uh we'll wrap it up there it's a shame we did a podcast yesterday and nobody ever got to hear it it was amazing too mike do we want to talk uh, about something breaking news do we have do we have the uh the graphic the sound do we have it no we don't have well, anything no we have no sound. we have no sound nothing cliff kingsbury has agreed to a deal with usc according to bruce feldman all right well that's not quite urban meyer news but it's uh not unexpected. That was rumored a few days ago. Right? Yeah, it seemed like things were slowed down because Sean McVay of the Rams wanted to bring on Kingsbury as an offensive analyst as they make their Super Bowl run. Um, but And there was also a rumor that Kingsbury wanted the USC offensive coordinator job, and, and if Helton left, he would get that job, um, which also seemed to be a snag. I, that's, a, that's a rumor I've not been able to confirm. Um, but I think that is... 
huge news for, for USC right now because their offense was garbage this year. Well, once Urban takes over USC, he'll get rid of Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, he's not. He has no room for Cliff Kingsbury on that staff. No, he'll find somebody else. So, all right, a nice short podcast for you on Urban Meyer. Um, he'll be missed. It's like a funeral almost, morning. It's just a little bit sad. It, it is sad. It's also it's also about the third or fourth time I've written an Urban Meyer obituary. I did it when he retired Florida. Then when he changed his mind, leave of absence. Yes. Then when he changed his mind and quit again after that last season. And then, then when he was going to be fired right. this season. Remember, there was talk of that. Yeah. And now. So I think this is my fifth Urban Meyer uh, retirement slash fired slash leaving college football article. I'm a little bit sick of it. So... You know, maybe it will be best if he doesn't come back to college football, so I don't have to write it again, but uh, I don't know. This might be insensitive, but I just really hope I don't see an ESPN profile piece about Urban Meyer and his family and the lake house and signing a letter that says he'll be home at 5 o'clock every day. I just either, either quit coaching or find, you know, go somewhere else, or I hope he gets his health in order. I hope he I hope he gets his health in order and he comes back to coach. That's that would be the best thing for college football. You know I have that kind of agreement with the rivals, right? Because I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I have to be in bed by five o'clock. In bed by five <laughs> every night. Hey, so, it's not a bad way to live. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Follow Adam Gorney. What's your Twitter handle, Adam Gorney? At Adam Gorney. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mine's at Rivals Mike. We won't give out Dave Barry's because he's once again disappointed us and let us down and wasn't here for the podcast. So, I don't know. He had to drive his son to school. Well, excuse me. Well, you'll be doing that soon enough with your daughter. Well, I won't miss a podcast, that's for sure. You'll do the podcast while driving your kid. (laughs) Probably. Knowing me, probably. With a microphone set up on the steering wheel, you'll slow down to 30, push her out of the car. (laughs) Off to kindergarten you go. Daddy's got to work. Blah, blah, blah. So, all right, Dave. We hope you're okay out there driving your kid. He's going to be producing this for us, so we must make fun of him. Right. But he better turn this around pretty quickly. We've also got rankings today, if, if anybody cares. I mean, Urban had to take away our, our big ranking release today, which, you know, he's never thinking of us. I'll tell you that right. much. Right. We're the we last on his mind. Today. Yeah. So, lots going on at Rivals.com. Check out the front page. Uh, Love us on Twitter, and we'll talk to you soon.